Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Caleb McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. Hey everybody, welcome to the new episode of the Internet World Order podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the classic horror film, Alien. And this was my first time to watch it, because uh, growing up as a kid, my sisters and mom were big into watching horror, and I kind of just was always too scared to ever watch it myself. I kind of joined with my dad of being too scared to actually watch horror movies, so... I finally got, because of this, I finally got to watch Alien for the first time, and I'm really happy I did, because this was a really fantastic film. I was finally able to convince them, you guys. <laughs> it took The miracle a happened. <laughs> it was a miracle on the Internet World Order podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we talked about the idea of like doing a horror movie, or a horror-themed movie for a little while, and uh, because I am very much into horror movies. And Caleb is not, as he just said, because he is Charmin soft. And (laughs) (laughs) we talked about this one and I was like, dude, let's do alien. And he didn't even fight back. He's like, all right, let's do it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) There's a reason for that. I mean, I mean, one, it's going to sound weird, but like one of my favorite YouTubers is named uh, Maximilian and alien is like his favorite movie that he will Anytime you watch any of his uh, streams, he will probably mention it at some point. And it's like, I've heard about it. My mom and uh, one of my sisters are huge fans of it. And so I was just like, you know what? It's time to just be, you know, uh, to just suck it up and be brave and just finally sit down and watch it. And it wasn't even that bad, was it, Caleb? No. No, but it, it was great. <laughs> oh, no, I loved it. It was one of those of, when it was over, I was like, okay, I can breathe again. Yeah, I, I figured we would start with this one, especially since you get, like, you know, we're not going to do, like, every kind of horror movie on here, but we're definitely going to do some. And I wanted to start with Alien and work your way up, because I'm not like, hey, bro, Halloween. Let's start with the original <laughs> Halloween, because that movie is actually genuinely scary. <laughs> right. There's, I'm going I'm to make you watch it at night now. Uh, (laughs) i got the 35th anniversary edition but fun fact this was about this was at the tail end of the 70s and you know the 70s was full of a lot of really great horror movies we got the exorcist we got Mm -hmm. jaws we got texas chainsaw we got halloween we got alien and there's multiple others that i'm probably forgetting right now but like just off the top of my head like that's that's a roster that is stacked <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a great, great decade for horror movies and especially horror movies that got the recognition they deserved because the eighties is known as like, there's a lot of excess in horror movies in the eighties, like especially with like Friday the 13th and nightmare on Elm street, which are, you know, they, they have their place in horror movies and I enjoy them, but they're different because they're, they're going for, you know, it's more about like the kills 
and bringing a character to the main villain of the entire series whereas alien there's a lot more subtext for most of the the film and i when i was younger i was just scared of the alien (laughs) like when i was watching it i was like Mm. <laughs> like this is kind of frightening because you know we're going to talk more and more about the xenomorph but the xenomorph is one of the most popular like alien science fiction horror icons in all of cinema and that's for many reasons one of them being Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott was the director of this movie and it is amazing i no, we talked about it recently in a recent episode, um, the, the last one we did, Superman, but they use miniatures for this movie, mm-hmm. and it's insane. It looks yeah. so good. It does, <laughs> uh, except for one part that I was seeing, like like the lights on the bottom of the ship. I was like, I'm pretty sure those are Christmas lights. I think they were, but, <laughs> but that's fine. No, it's, it's one of those of like, I can appreciate the effort being put of like, uh, being given an inch and going a mile. And I can 100% appreciate that level of effort. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I know that, um, so I watched the director's cut uh, as a refresher for this movie, which slightly different, you know, a lot of it is like there's certain, I think it's actually shorter, believe it or not, but <laughs> I'm trying oh. to remember exactly what they cut out, but they kept most of, most of the movie in there. There's like two or three seconds or like scenes that are trimmed, but one of the big things is that the director's cut, they put CGI stars in the background for certain scenes. I don't know. Like, did they, ha- did you notice that Caleb? No, I watched the theatrical release. I didn't, uh, nothing came across. Uh, I mean, if they did that, then they did one heck of a job with it. Yeah, they did it. Um, especially in the, the director's cut, they added certain elements like that. We won't talk about that extensively because you haven't seen the director's cut, which is perfectly fine. And <laughs> both movies are great. I think theatrical cut is a little bit better in my opinion. Right. But it's, it's really uh wow. This movie, it, it's a, a technical achievement on a level that most people probably wouldn't be able to pull off nowadays just because we we i mean we have technology and we have all the resources at our disposal to make something look real or to use cgi or to use things that like we don't have to use miniatures anymore because we have the ability to make it look like a a real living thing for the most part and what this movie did with so little is astounding to me do you know what the tagline for this movie is caleb is it the one where it says in space, no one can hear you scream or am I thinking of something else? That's the one. <laughs> okay, cool. Cause one of the things I've noticed too, of like me watching alien now, especially, you know, obviously at this point in my life is so many references I've seen in other shows and video games and movies. I'm like, Oh, it clearly came from here. Yeah. This movie is everywhere. This, especially for like the science fiction genre in general, like this movie's, blueprint is on everything oh yeah for a reason yeah and to your point when just one mention real fast about the xenomorph is the design of the xenomorph i would honestly say it's probably the second most i guess like a thing people think of when you think of an alien after the you know big head giant black eyes either gray or green body like that's number one because of all the 1950s cheesy sci-fi stuff but I would argue number two is probably the Xenomorph. 
I agree. And you know what the crazy thing about the xenomorph is? Uh, xenomorph. Xenomorph. <laughs> you know what the crazy <laughs> thing about the xenomorph is? <laughs> what is that? So originally they were going to get someone who was like approximately human, like human height to fit into the suit and make them kind of like, cause that's pretty scary. Like having like an alien that's as big as you, especially when, when it initially hatched, it was like, yeah, you know, a little a stuffed thing. animal. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Like it, you could literally punt it. <laughs> and we, we have fun facts about that scene, but the <laughs> alien in this movie, uh, they hired an actor who, is seven foot two in real life. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's really tall. And he was a graphic designer that they met at a pub. Uh, and they're like, hey, do you want to be in the movie with Ridley Scott? And he was like, okay, you've <laughs> twisted my arm. And <laughs> well, did Ridley Scott have a huge resume already up to this point? Or was he still like new? I think that I don't think this was his first movie. I I need to double check on that. but. This was a movie that did a lot of favors for him and especially Sigourney Weaver. Like this was her debut oh. as a leading role in a movie. Oh, I know we're going to probably give her more time, but yes. I mean, cementing her as one of the most iconic like women and not just film, like pretty much in all the media. In literally everything. <laughs> She's amazing. And she absolutely deserves all of the credit that she gets. Because, oh, this was his second film. Hold on. I'm sorry to change subject. So he did The Duelist in 1977, uh, which was a historical drama film. And it was at Cannes. It's pretty good from what I heard. Uh, I'd have to look more into it. I'm sorry that I didn't know more about it. I I like a lot of Ridley Scott stuff, but I'm more of a Blade Runner you know, you're good. I mean, we, we come in to talk about one movie and I'm like hitting you with the, you know, the equivalent of when someone's like, oh, you like this band? Name their first three albums. <laughs> well, it, it's it's interesting, you know, like trivia to talk about. And he did Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Kingdom of Heaven, American. Oh, my gosh. American Gangster, yeah. <laughs> The mm-hmm. Martian, which we, we should do The Martian eventually, too. I, I think you'd love that oh, movie if you haven't seen fantastic it. Fantastic movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, body, body lies, Robin Hood, Prometheus, which Prometheus, we will, we will get to eventually, but not in this episode because there's so much to talk about here. And he uh, like, this is his second movie. Yeah. Holy guacamole. (laughs) What? Because most people like, you know, there's the, the long running, like, Oh, like sophomore slump, especially like, because there's so much hype around someone who does so well the first time that their movie just, it just is so under so much pressure that it pressure that it can never meet the expectations that set above it. And it almost happened to Jordan Peele after get out yeah. with us. But I, I love us too. We will talk about us eventually, but we're mm-hmm. going to work up there because I'm not trying to torture you, Caleb. And <laughs> <laughs> the movie's scary. Um, a lot of people point to that, but like it's hard to, it's more ambitious. And honestly, sometimes it's hard to live up to the hype of something when you do so well the first time, regardless of how good your, your movie is. And of course with alien, I think he, he done like he proved himself because it was critically well received with uh, the duelist. And then alien came out and people were like, Whoa, (laughs) what it like that got him the attention that he really deserved 
mm-hmm. and he just, he nailed it. Oh my gosh, yeah. he nailed it. It's astounding what he did with this movie and just for the horror genre in general without it feeling cliche like you know what's going to happen the whole time because there's so many elements of this movie especially with how they use the alien because you don't see all of it all the time no i don't honestly if you probably put it all together of how many times the alien shows up throughout the movie it's probably like two minutes yeah, may, well, maybe a little bit more than that, but not really. <laughs> yeah, well, because the most you see it is like uh, not well, the very end, but the camera the when he kills the final when it kills the final two crewmates, uh, Parker and Lambert. Home. Yeah, like that's the most you see it is when it's dealing with those two. The rest of the time, like it just shows up for a few seconds. Yeah, which, you know, the interesting thing about the the design of the Xenomorph is I was not old enough to watch Alien when I was younger, but since Alien versus Predator was PG-13, <laughs> I got to watch that instead. And I was a kid, leave me alone, but <laughs> I wanted to watch the Alien movies so badly. I wanted to watch Aliens. I wanted to watch Predator, and I eventually got to, but, like, I watched... Alien versus Predator. So I thought that the aliens always had the blades on their tails. Oh, right. Right. Like I, you've seen the alien versus predator movies, right? Yeah. I've seen uh, bits of them and I know like how the xenomorph has like essentially evolved over the movies. That's a good point of like, yeah, if that, if that was your introduction. Then this was a uh, very different when you watch this movie. Yeah. Cause I watched, I watched Alien versus Predator, and then I watched Alien, and then I watched Aliens, Predator, all of which, oh my gosh, these are so good. <laughs> like, classic, like, you know, Predator we'll get to eventually, because that's a, yeah. a very, very different horror movie compared to this horror movie. Definitely. And because Predator has a little bit more action to it, but it's, at its core, it's still a horror movie. And oh, yeah. It's like a slasher film, but with muscles and like masculinity and testosterone and, and I was like, you, you took, you take the action of the eighties and then throw in good old, like apex predator horror and, and just, you get predator and men just screaming and growing a beard <laughs> as they scream. But <laughs> alien takes the complete opposite approach and is layered in silence for a mm-hmm. lot of it. This movie relies one on Ridley Scott's command of the visual medium and how he presents this world that is covered in darkness and littered with very little, any kind of light. It's just like smog and darkness. And you're literally trapped in space. This movie was pitched originally as jaws in space. I don't know if you know that. I I mean, that makes total sense from the viewpoint of like, be like the whole, I mean, the hopelessness of like, like you said, you mean you're in a, you're trapped in a ship or you're trapped out in the ocean, mm-hmm. and it's like, and here's this thing that you cannot defeat coming after you. Yeah. Though to your point, it's like of it being dark or not very well lit. The brightest, like scene in the whole movie, is at the very beginning when they're first getting out of their little like sleeping pods, and then from there on, it's always like low lighting or darkness. Which that cinematography, 
Moi. Oh, it's excellent. <laughs> Beautiful. It's when I rewatched that for preparation for this episode, I was like, <gasps> it's so there's so much love and attention put into things like that that make this movie because you can tell if you look at it long enough, you're like, yeah, a lot of like this is like who dads and boo wops and like random little <laughs> like devices that are very clearly like they have no purpose. <laughs> They're just like, they'll just take like little random things and put them around. And it manages to make use of the limited space that it has. And it makes it look realistic and beautiful and intense and dark. And I love that for it. Yeah. And to your point of like, cause when you're doing a sci-fi movie, especially one that, I mean, obviously this is set in the future. Cause you know, they're, in space and they're transporting a giant like mineral ore that they got. So it's always hard when you're doing a uh, sci-fi, anything trying to predict what future tech is going to look like. Uh, and maybe you can correct me on this if I'm, if I'm wrong, but it kind of seems to me that they took the same mentality that the hitchhiker's guide of the galaxy movie took where they're like, you know, instead of trying to predict what the future looks like, cause we're most likely going to be wrong. Let's just make something that looks, I don't know, almost kind of like a, had a steampunk aesthetic to it in a I way. I wouldn't like, say that's incorrect. I, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely like, I think they, if anything, they kind of toned down the overall science fiction element in terms of like advanced technology. Yeah. Outside of and like, I, here's the ship. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it can do. But it wasn't like it didn't overly explore the idea of advanced technology. It definitely seemed like it was more biologically focused, if anything. Which is totally fine. I mean, especially that's part of what leads into the like dread and just absolute like a horror aspect of it. It's because these are regular people. These are not space Marines. These are not uh, like engineer, like a, like a Tony Stark engineer or like a person who is an inventor. These are just essentially blue collar workers that are just trying to, you know, make a few bucks. Uh, essentially the way they talk sounds like they're contractors. They're, space they're just trying to make it, bro. Well, essentially <laughs> they're just trying to make a few bucks. And now that you put it that way, I think that kind of sums up the tech a little bit of it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a truck rig. Hence all the levers and buttons and stuff where you're just like, I don't know what half of this does, but it's here. Yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of like look into that. Did you know that this movie was actually not well received when it first came out? I it wasn't panned. Okay, I mean, obviously not. You got to see. I mean, it became a big deal. So obviously they had to like it at some point. Yeah, I guess a lot of people like super shocked, but it wasn't quite revered as the classic that it was today but people like people outside of critics loved this movie and because they got it they they understood it and you know maybe some people didn't because you know we're still in a cinematic world where like violence was becoming more and more when used properly it could tell a story that really was empowerful impactful without being too much. And, you know, in comparison to like the eighties where it was like, I'm going to rip your arm off and beat you with it. This movie was like, 
it's going to kill you, but it's going to kill you artfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is both. It's a good choice in terms of like just being different, but also just like, obviously you don't have the budget to do over the top kills. So you got to have a creature that's efficient, which is the totally the right call. Yeah. And another thing about this movie that I, I kind of want to just like gloss over is the idea of like, I don't know if it, you, I mean, this is your first time watching it, but a lot of people have said that this movie has sexual undertones or overtones. My bad. Um, sexual overtones. Uh, if they say that, I think that they're saying something. I mean, not to uh, try to attack nobody, but just mm-hmm. they might be saying something about themselves. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I think it's because there's a lot of like phallic imagery, like, you know, especially on like the alien ship. And I mean, think of what the face huggers do. Exactly. That That's the, the main point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to. it's like, I exactly. I mean, it's like, look, I mean, like I said, we are a family friendly podcast, even though we are talking about a horror movie, but it's like, how do you create life? So, I mean, it's not like they were doing it to be like, you know, super manly we want to make everyone else feel inferior to our phallic images no it's just i don't know i i didn't get that if someone read into that i'm like i would honestly have to ask them like i think i think you're i think there's something going on with you maybe yeah well there's a i was looking at it earlier but and i would say that it's more about like i i didn't really like i see what they're saying but I saw it more as like, you're literally just dealing with the force of nature that you do not understand. So, yeah. you know, uh, people are free to interpret it any way they want. And, you know, their interpretations do have have value and do have weight. But I kind of saw this as more of <laughs> it's more of just a force of nature that can't be stopped because the alien isn't super intelligent. Like, no, the alien's not going to go to MIT. <laughs> the alien <laughs> is literally just it's primitive but like it, we'll get to the android scene but yeah it it's basically just like the perfect human or not perfect human Ugh, what is wrong with me <laughs> it's like you're good you know one of the androids kind of points it out as like it's the perfect organism it does everything it needs to and nothing more yeah uh i also say like speaking of as i mentioned maximilian because he's talked about these the first two movies at great length in videos because he has such a love for them. And he goes, dude, the Xenomorph is basically an angry child that's rampaging through a ship that has no idea what's happening. It's like a toddler with acid blood. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no, the real villain is the face hugger. That's the real villain of the movie. Yeah. That, geez, (laughs) you know, I kind of want to start talking about like the overall events of this movie. Because I don't know if it was just me, but from the get go, this movie made me very tense. Oh, of course. Uh, well, not initially. At first, it kind of just starts off. Uh, so one thing that I really enjoyed about it is that it starts off. Sl- I mean, the first shot, obviously, when they're getting out of the pods is slow and because they're mm-hmm. establishing everything. And I could kind of feel that slow build. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that of like, because then once the <laughs> it's like once the foot went on the accelerator. The train had no brakes. Oh, no. (laughs) This movie just rolled and rolled and rolled. And, you know, that, but they also built to it in a way where they, 
visually explained everything that was going on and what the stakes were Mm -hmm. while also not beating you over the head with how dangerous everything was. But I think the reason that I was so tense the whole movie was because these people did not like each other. No. And so they're contractors, essentially. They were like, it it seemed like they were kind of trying to get along. And, you know, Parker was kind of giving people a hard time and, you know, joking with people. But he was asking about pay. He's like, you know, what about money? What about extra pay? What about this? And the like the captain's kind of like, and there's like a little bit of like, there's some some tense, unsettling, like, you know, it's not going to break out into violence, but it didn't seem like anyone really valued or cared about each other on the ship. And yeah, it, except mean, for Ripley. Yeah, it very much. I got, I dug it in the sense of it kind of told a story without having to go through a lot of exposition. You kind of understood that like they just got done. They they're finishing up a job because that's why they're all asking about payments and Hey, are we going to get overtime or get paid extra? It just did a really good job of like without having someone or like having a star Wars esque uh, crawl of just information. Mm-hmm. You kind of got everything you needed just through how they interacted. Yeah, that would be very out of place if we <laughs> if we had a Star no, exactly. Wars crawl in this movie. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's part of what I liked is they didn't need to. Oh, you, got, you got told like this is the name of the ship. They have a mineral ore that they're taking back to Earth, mm-hmm. and then you listen to how they talk to each other. Like, okay, I get it. They're workers. They're kind of how whatever they were doing for this job, they're pretty much over it, and they just want to get paid. Yeah, they're all. It's kind of like <laughs> when you're on a film set and like imagine if just everything went wrong, like, you know, you've seen it in movies before, but like everyone's all tense and like the actors go from like, you know, being like on set, like all the perfect example of this would be uh one shot of the dead, which I, I think you would love that movie, Caleb. And it, it's mm-hmm. about the process of filmmaking and how things are different from what you see on the surface and the way that it develops is interesting, but like that, I'm just using that as an example because it's sure. one, one, it shows how working together and, you know, your passion and coming together to work on something can really produce amazing results regardless of what gets thrown your way. But <laughs> it, it's another example of like, if you see that, you know, that like these jobs, especially jobs like where you're working really hard and people do work hard on a film set. It's, when you have such a high stress situation or such something long-term, like what they're doing, they're literally carrying cargo across the entire galaxy. There's just going to be some frustration bubbling underneath (laughs) and it starts to come to light a little bit more as the trip goes on. And especially now and they get, you know, they're answering the distress call. Yeah. They're like, dude, like it's been like 50 years. I want to go home. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly they're like we're almost done i want to just get paid and sleep and as i keep making the joke eat good food right not space food which that comes yeah. back actually <laughs> they exactly. when they talk about that there's there's a little plant left in there for a little later on in the movie um but this cast is really really good too there's well you know obviously sigourney weaver who has a character arc that spans over multiple movies Mm -hmm. And she was one of my defining examples of like female heroines that I was like, you, you are awesome. (laughs) And you're, you work with what you have without being overpowered. You're smart. 
you use everything that's within your reach and at your resources to make things work, which is a perfect example of how this movie got made. And <laughs> because I think the budget for it was somewhere between eight to $14 million. Which is for those that don't know, even back then that's super low. That is, that's nothing. <laughs> it's like, here you go. I guess you and, paid for a, a cup of coffee. Thanks. Right. <laughs> and they did a lot with it, but you know, she's resourceful. She's smart and she makes decisions that make sense. And yeah. they get pulled over to, uh, the planet where they got the distress call and what happens there, Caleb? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. I want you to tell me well, how you felt. Because <laughs> this, <whole> <laughs> this scene stresses well, me out every time I watch it. I'm just, I just want to know what well, you think. Oh, well, since I knew, okay. Since I knew the basic, like, I guess you could say like the skeleton of how the movie worked just from like all the various people that have, like you said, the blueprint, that mini movies and shows and games have used. So I, I was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure I know what happens here. But even then it's like, it's like, it's dark. There's a little bit of music, but it's mostly silence. And you just have this like sense of dread. And I was like, turn back, turn back. <laughs> like, <laughs> especially cause like, I know. And then of course the guy slips and falls. I was like, Oh God. I was like, Oh, okay. It's not happening yet. And then he looks at the eggs. And the little face hugger, if they have a, an official name, I'm sorry. I'm going to call him a face hugger. That's what they're called. But, um, That's what we call him. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Just make sure that, like, if they had, had like, an official. Okay, cool. Um, and he sees it moving around in the egg, and he's, like, poking at him, like, you stupid words I'm not going to say on here. Um, but it makes sense, right? Like, he, he no, was exactly. curious. Exactly. No, 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 no. It wasn't one of those stupid situations where, like, was it like there's like I think it's Geico commercial now where they make fun of horror movies where they're like let's go run inside the shed that has all the sharp objects yeah <laughs> let's hang behind the wall of chainsaws yeah it's not like it wasn't that it wasn't that because and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording but this movie doesn't really make it known if like this is the first alien life humans have ever found because at first you think yes and of course then. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that would make sense then why he's messing with the egg. Because it's like, well, you want to know. And especially because he's in his full suit. I was like, if this dude takes his helmet off, he is the dumbest man ever birthed. And he doesn't. And to me, that's what makes it more terrifying. Is the facehugger blast, like, manages to get through the helmet. And so like, that's how it was for me. I was like, I was just like, well, here's what here's where everything starts to hit the fan. These this next, is the first domino. These next handful of scenes, I, cause even now, like they're still incredibly impactful and powerful in how they're presented. But imagine 1970s, just, just put that in perspective while we talk about this. Imagine being a moviegoer in the 1970s. And number one, you see the face hugger scene, which is terrifying <laughs> because we, I can't think of anything, especially not a mainstream movie that has something like that before that. I don't know to me to have anything like that since. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but like, that's scary to begin with. And again, we have Ripley 
who they're like carrying him up with like this alien embedded in his face. And she's mm-hmm. like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> to be fair, I understood the, the conundrum they had. Because mm-hmm. she's like, no, we have to leave him outside. That's what protocol is. And the guy's, he could be dead in 24 hours. Well, if we let him in, we all die. And it's like, uh, both sides are making good points. <laughs> yeah, it's like she's trying to make the right decision because she understands that there's danger involved in this. But everyone else is like, he's our friend and he's going to die. And we also learn that there's some other reasons why they wanted mm-hmm. him on board so badly. And yes. <laughs> which, oh, we'll get to that, uh, <laughs> which leads into Prometheus and aliens and a lot of these other movies. But <sighs> watching the face hugger when they're, tr- when they're examining him in the room and they're trying to like, y- you're watching it's the disturbing. tail like wrap around his throat. I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, the moment they try to like take it off and it just wraps harder around the neck. You're like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen this movie like 10 times at bare minimum. And it still freaks me out because you're just watching this thing just wrap itself around him. And he's, you can hear his breathing and you're like, dude, yeah. like, Oh, this is terrifying. Imagine being someone in 1979 who's never seen something like that. Yeah. It's scary especially when now. You the, when you get the well, especially when you know the full context of what it's doing to the person. Right. It just gets worse and worse. That's why Ew. that's why that's why I agree with Max when he's like, the xenomorph is not the villain. It's just an angry child. The tuggers are the villain. It's well, I mean, truth be told, the alien so I, I, for anyone who doesn't know, I study screenwriting at the University of Georgia. And one of the things that we've talked about is the idea of main characters and their roles in the movie. The alien can be seen as the antagonist in the movie, but the villain of the movie in the end is the people. They're the people who sent them there to begin with. Yes. And there's a lot. Well, because the alien can have villainous quotes because, you know, it's killing characters that you have grown to have empathy for. But it's just surviving. It's not like it doesn't want to be on that ship. It didn't want to be there. It's like a virus. It doesn't care what you think about it. It doesn't have politics. It's (laughs) yeah. the the alien is not a like it's not a part of any political party. It's literally just nature and it's freaking out because it's like what is going on i am hungry and people are trying to kill me and yeah (laughs) it's just waking up and like while we may see that as a villainous thing we have to understand that this is literally it's just waking up and from birth people are like screaming at it it's just like ah so yeah it reminds me it reminds me honestly it reminds me honestly okay lord but um it honestly does remind me a lot of like uh, Ian or Jeff Goldblum's character mm-hmm. in uh, Jurassic Park when he's trying to explain to them why the park is such a bad idea he goes you're going to take a bunch of these creatures that have not been around for millions of years and just plop them down with in the modern world they're not going they're going to be confused they're not going to know what to do money like, why, why why am I here money bro money oh I know and that's the whole yeah. like this movie's very subtle about all of that like you, the the main focus is the conflict between ripley and the alien but yes. you, the other part of it is struggling with the company that literally made them try and get this sample which 
is kind of stupid. <laughs> like, if we oh, put I know, perspective, one... like in Aliens, they at least sent Marines to go take care of the problem. In this movie, they're like, let's send some blue collar workers to go pick up an alien species that we know nothing about. You're right. Well, let me ask this. I haven't seen alien, the other movies. Well, I have seen Prometheus, but it's been years. So I don't remember much. Mm -hmm. Um, does it get revealed that the corporation, I forget what they're, they always call it the network. Um, does it, was it revealed that they, they sent them on the, on that mission, knowing they would find that distress signal. Well, I think, okay, actually to be fair, from my recollection, I think that they sent them to see what was going on. Like, because they got the distress call and they're like, you're the closest spaceship, go check it out. And then Ash, the Android spoiler alert for somebody who hasn't seen this 40 year old movie, they <laughs> have, is it 40 years? Yeah. It's 40 years old. Yep. They 41. 41. Yeah. Holy guacamole. 79. They, <laughs> it's, they send them there and then Ash and Dallas, Dallas is the captain. Ash is the android, which great twist, but confused yeah. me when I first saw that. No, no, I, I, I want to talk about that in a minute after you finish this up. Mm -hmm. Is that I have thoughts yeah. on that? We'll we'll get to that after the the scene. And yeah, when they you know they're checking out the alien, they're trying to figure out how it works, and they cut accidentally cut it open, and that's when you find out that its blood is acid, and it goes through three floors of the spaceship. Yeah, and oh. Dallas was perfectly freaking out going if it goes all the way through this could like screw we'll die. us yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll completely die and it makes it harder to get rid of the threat because you can't hurt it without literally destroying your entire environment mm -hmm. which That's is what they discover like the facehugger literally like he goes through a lot of like medical terms and Ripley's like ripley goes can you just put it simply he goes it's really tough to kill <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to kill and the people there are literally just workers who are being exploited. And mm -hmm. they like, they're not trained fighters. They're just workers. They're just trying to make a living. Yeah. And this corporation that they're working for is like, all right, y'all are going to bring back this alien. And <laughs> yeah. would piss me. Off. And that's the thing is they find out that the corporations like just bring back the organism. Everyone else is expendable. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> Which is also, kind of blows my mind when I heard that. Cause I was like, you gotta get the ship back to earth. You're not going to do that. They're all dead. Yeah. Crazy to think about. I know that, um, let, let's get to the next scene though. So John hurt yes. is very much. <sighs> it's astounding. The career that he's had. I love John Hurt. <laughs> he has been in a lot of things for people like especially like recent viewers. You'd probably know him more from like Hellboy and you know, cause he was professor broom in Hellboy. That was one of his more recent roles. He's been in the elephant man. He's been in a lot of international films and one of them being uh, the proposition, which is a 2005 Australian movie that I love very different from this movie, but <laughs> it's, right. he's the one that basically, introduces an entire audience to something so horrifying that they've never seen before in a film <laughs> and a very iconic way, the chest bursting scene. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> um, <Good>. Dude. They, <laughs> yeah, even with the movie kind of, I mean, it does call a spade a spade. 
it does slightly show its age but even with that in mind i'm just it's still just like oh my gosh especially like the initial burst of blood and it's still not out yet i'm like what in the world i was like this is way more drawn out than i thought it'd be yeah it's <laughs> one of the things about it is that um well i i don't know how much of this story is true but aside from the actor and the director most people didn't know exactly how this scene was going to go down. They just knew he was going to die. They they knew that it was his death scene, but they didn't know exactly how it was going to go down. I don't think they knew what the alien looked like. I don't think they knew how it was exactly. It was going to happen, which is crazy <laughs> because well, they were freaking out and it felt so genuine because the actors just like, you know, he had the chest pad in and they're holding him down. And then, the alien literally bursts out of his chest. I mean, you see it move around a little bit before it bursts out and you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. You're like, they like pause. Cause they see like blood spurt and then they're like, uh, hold him down. And <laughs> like, they don't know what to do. And well, then I guess my question then is, so was it in the script or not when the camera, the, the character's name, was. when he grabs the needle, I think, mm, I'd have to double check, but I know that certain elements of it were left out specifically to the actors so that they could have a more genuine surprised response. Well, I can believe that I've heard enough stories from other movies, you know, like die yeah. hard where <laughs> they will surprise actors. So that way their reactions are genuine. It sounds very much like a, <laughs> something, a, a it, it, I don't want to say a Kubrick thing to do. Um, Cause it, it's not quite as intense or, I'll just no. call it what it is. Cruel. Not, and, yeah, <laughs> not take 85. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't even say that. <laughs> I love this scene because like, again, imagine being a film goer in 1979, sitting down and watching this movie and seeing that. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no way. That is of horrifying. Course. No, it, it, once again, it's one of those, I mean, there's going to be, it sound like a weird sidebar, but it ties together. I knew what was about to happen because of another movie that I have watched many, many times, uh, cause they recreate it cause they're spoofing it. And that is space balls. Yep. <laughs> so I'd seen that. So I knew what was about to happen. And obviously oh. I've seen how that movie spoofs it. And it is hilarious. We have a slight bit of it kind of taken away from us because we've seen it parodied and we, we oh, know yeah. it's going to happen. Like we it's on t-shirts now, we have I the mean. benefit of hindsight and almost every movie parodying this entire thing. Whereas like back then people were just like, do, 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 let's go see this movie. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I really was, I was watching it, trying to put myself in that mentality of just like, yeah, I need to ask my mom because I'm, I'm, I'm sure she probably watched this when it came out. So yeah, but have you how talked was to them about her? it? I mentioned it, and all my dad was saying was like, "Your mom will be so happy you're finally watching this." And I haven't got a chance to ask her yet, but I was putting my mind in that mentality of like, what that must have been like the first time you see that because you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and there's nothing. There's no hinting. There's no foreshadowing. There's no anything. They don't prepare you for it at all. They're just like. Eh! slap you with it right across the face yeah and especially because after the you know, after i mean i'll use the kind terminology i think 
people will know at home mm-hmm. the actual word I would like to use. Um, after the face hugger impregnates this poor guy, uh, the face hugger dies. And so I could imagine you're kind of sitting there going, wait, that's it? What's the threat then? <laughs> I mean, the main threat's dead. And you're like, oh, no, 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 that was the appetizer. <laughs> now like, the real fun begins. Checking their watches and they're like, oh, wow, that was short. <laughs> yeah. And then you find Weird. out. No, you, know what the, you know what the crazy part honestly is when you think uh, the guy, when it pops out of his chest, he got it easy compared to the other crew members. Oh, my. Wolf. Okay, that's a stretch. But <laughs> I mean, we don't know what the alien. You don't like with this with this little mouth like going after you. Like it looks like it kills you efficiently, but not but not quickly. I mean, if if I got bit through the head by that alien thing, I think I would prefer that over something literally just hatching outside of my rib cage. Well, there's a couple, and that's what happens to. But like, uh, what happens to the two crew members? Like it goes off on one guy several on that final guy several times before he's dead. And you oh, see yeah. that he has limbs <laughs> in multiple spots. Yeah. And then, oh, poor Dallas, dude, the captain. Oh, yeah. I mean, when they find the him. Theatric- and he's like, kill me. <laughs> okay. That must have been in the, the- in the director's cut. I did not see that in the, in the theatrical. Okay. So in the, there's a final, because Dallas gets, um, he gets killed in the air ducts because it's crawling yes. through the air ducts. You, that's in the theatrical. That's in every cut. So I didn't, I didn't realize this because it's been a long time since I've seen the original, but in the director's cut, there's a scene where Ripley's going through the ship and she finds Dallas and he's in like the nest thing like that you see in every other alien movie. And he's like wriggling and you could tell that he's like, they planted eggs in him and he's like, kill me, kill me. And it's not cool. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just put it that I way. Can it's, see, it's not cool. I can see why they maybe left that out initially. It no, dude, it's scary. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Uh yeah, I, I would have remembered that. So I can tell you that's not in the theatrical cut. Yeah, you should definitely watch the director's cut next time that you're you're up to watch this movie again. Because there's a lot <laughs> of small things in this movie. But basically, like Dallas gets quote unquote killed earlier on in the movie. And because he goes through the air ducts after uh Brett gets eaten. The the guy with the the trucker hat. He just kind of. I know. I he he made me laugh. I was like, don't let. Oh, he's going first. I know. Okay. He, they they broadcast it. <laughs> I know they do, but like, especially because he has that funny little scene right beforehand where he's just like, right, <laughs> right. Like, is, do you say anything else besides that? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and the when they were they thought it was in like the cupboard. And it was just a cat and they're all laughing. Yeah. Like you could see Parker and, and Ripley laughing. <laughs> oh like, yeah. They're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, I have oh. to give credit where it's due though, of like some of the biggest, like a lot of movies obviously are super reliant on like jump scares. Mm-hmm. This movie only, I guess you can legitimately say that only a couple because majority of the jump scares come from the flipping cat. Yeah, I would say the only jump scares in the movie, like actual real jump scares, come from like Jonesy just kind of meow and like exactly. jumping around, which isn't even that scary. Like I've oh no, it's just because yeah. of the tension of like, is this the alien or is it, oh, it's just the cat? It's just that orange tabby, and, <laughs> right? I um remember watching this movie, and the first time you see the alien, like almost you don't see it entirely but you see the top part of it hanging in the chains. Oh yeah. Oh dude. <laughs> no. And, like, oh. 
and you have no yeah, idea I mean, where it is because it's just hanging in the chain so you know it's above him mm-hmm. but it, it's like the the hitchcock like you see the bomb under the table but you don't know when it's going to go off and you have exactly the alien up in the chains but you don't know where it's going to drop down you don't know when it's going to get him mm-hmm. and like you and like you said they they definitely signposted because <laughs> he gets too far away from the other people and all of that yeah and <laughs> it's, it's just like obvious. yeah you you're you're the dead weight that's about to be cut off sorry my dude i mean everyone in this movie gets toasted pretty pretty oh, quickly yeah. <laughs> do they do they have a scene where they find him the same in the director's cut no Actually, because in the theatrical cut so. it shows him getting it shows the alien grabbing him him flipping out and then it cuts to uh, them being like, yeah, we found him in the vents dead or wherever uh, they found him. I, th- I think they might have alluded to it. But the main focus of finding uh, Dallas, I think it was just Dallas at the end. That and... makes sense because, I mean, I'm not saying he was like my favorite, but like he definitely felt like of all the people besides Ripley. Ripley obviously was just trying to do the right thing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Dallas is just that captain that's just like, I just want to go home. Yeah. And he was kind of like, I'll do what you know, my, my supervisor is telling me I'll do what, you know, the company wants me to do because I mean, the real, the other real villain of this movie was Ash, the Android who Mm -hmm. the whole movie, like he kind of came across as like a pushover. Like Parker was like, Hey man, you're sitting in my seat. You want to give it up? And like people would kind of bully him a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And then you find out that it's like, he was, (laughs) yeah. Uh, he starts choking Ripley and he's just like squeezing Parker. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I forgot how intense this was. When he started doing that, I was like, if he starts saying Kalima, I'm out. Kalima. He <laughs> and then they the funny thing about it was it's like he was so strong. And then they just hit him with like I think like a bottle or something. Or like I thought it was like something metal. It was something metal. I I can't remember exactly what it was, but they hit him and his head broke off. And I was like, oh, I (laughs) right. No, look, okay. And I know you've seen this before. So speaking with this being my first time seeing it, that was a trip and a half, like a rope. Like I already knew this guy was the rogue Mm because like he's the one that when uh, Ripley's having that argument with them at the very beginning of like, I'm not letting them in it's him that lets them like, that like basically like overrides her and lets them in. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the one very in the background. When, yeah. He's the one that when the alien first, uh, bust out of the chest and the guy is about to stab him with a needle, he's the one, uh, Ash is the one that sits there and goes, no, 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 no. Let him be. Yeah. It's like, no, kill it. Well, Cause he <laughs> knows it everything tiny. that's going on. Exactly. And so I knew he was the rogue. Obviously it's like, kind of like, a kind of Jurassic Park-esque where you have someone that's purposely screwing up what would have been a, you know, the, all the fail safes. And, but like when he walks up to Ripley, just to kill her, <laughs> yeah. he's like, you're in my way. Stop it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> cause she finds out from mother, which is their map, you know, their big computer, uh, about the whole, like the crew is secondary, get the organism back to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, He's like, it looked like he's sweating, but it looked like milk. And I was like, what the heck? It's like a white substance that they yeah. put in androids. I get that. I mean, I, I, well, especially when his head popped off, I was like, oh, okay. It's like his, it's what he runs on. <laughs> this is but at first. <laughs> yeah, wait for me being like, what in the, oh, okay. But, um, 
yeah, he's like sweating the white liquid. I was like, did someone hit him? What happened here? And he starts like almost killing her. I was like, what in the world? And yeah, like he said, starts looking about to rip out a heart. And I'm like, what in the world? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could have been there when you first saw this movie because there's so much stuff in this movie where you're like, (laughs) (laughs) there's so much shock. (laughs) Like I said, this because of what's been done in the decades since, like I'm not sitting here like scared for my life, but it's very tense. Like you're saying, of you're holding your breath, your heart kind of starts pumping faster because you're just like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's stressful. And watching him like when they rewired him just to kind of get some words out of him, and then kicked him in the head. I, yeah, <laughs> it was interesting because he still kind of had that human element to him, where you know he's different from the android in the next movie who is considerably more empathetic and likable and understanding in this movie. He's awful jerk. <laughs> he's yeah, a villain. He's... And, yeah. but he was a background villain the whole time. Cause you're thinking like, Oh, like Dallas is kind of the, the one that is like the antagonist of Ripley, like always contradicting or forcing her to change, but he just wants to get home. Exactly. He Whereas, has a relatable yeah. role where, you know, he's just, he's trying to maintain order while very clearly just being, under pressure that he did not want brought upon him. And Ash is just kind of in the background, like pulling the strings and like a very background villain that ends up being like the real evil. Yeah. That if it wasn't for him, all those people would still be alive. Well, there might be one casualty. Yeah. he He's the corporate machine. He's the corporate product that has a human skin over it. That's pretending to care about your life. Yeah. And especially like, and we alluded to this towards the beginning, when he talks about like, this is the perfect organism. It has no, it's not uh, held back by things like morality or emotion. It has one objective and it's going to need to achieve that objective. Nothing more, nothing less. And the crazy thing about him is that he kind of makes everyone seem small and stupid when in fact, like a lot of these people have really good, like, you know, they're having what I would say are reasonable reactions Oh yeah, <laughs> this entire situation. They're having so much thrown at you. They're it's crazy how much they're being put into, but their reactions and how they're going about the situation are not stupid. No, and because the, these people are not stupid, they're smart, and they're yeah. doing everything they can with what is available to them to try and you know end the like, problem. Because like, why don't we just get in the escape pod? We don't have enough room in the escape pod. Why don't we, yeah. you know, it just, it doesn't make sense. And they get, there's they get that one. taser. There's like that taser cattle prod looking thing. And then when that doesn't work the way they want it to, they get the flame, essentially a flamethrower. <laughs> and then, uh, and it's like, it, I dig it because it's very much like you're saying, like, it's not like they're like, Oh, by the way, I have a Gatling gun. That's just sitting like, no, yeah. They don't have a mess. They don't have a magical gun or sword or like they're in they're they're, they're blue collar workers. So all they got is whatever is around them. Yeah. They're, they're making use of what they have, but it's not enough because you're literally facing a force of nature that does not care about you. It just wants to avoid danger and reproduce. It, yeah. It, it need, you need space Marines. Right. <laughs> and even then like, Oh, We'll eventually yeah, talk about as the aliens. future movies talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's we we probably won't do it super soon, but we we will do that movie in the future because it's very very different from this movie, and because mm-hmm. this movie is it's a horror film, but with pretty 
outstanding subtext and characters that make me care about him. It's not a long yeah. movie. It's like maybe two hours flat. And the director's cut is even shorter. It's oh, this movie's so good. But <laughs> yeah, no, it, it doesn't like like I was saying earlier, it's like the first part of it, like up until he gets to the egg, mm-hmm. you could kind of argue that maybe it's moving slow and or not slow, but like it's definitely moving at a very methodical pace. Mm-hmm. But then once that face hugger latches onto him, it's like strap in ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. If there's anything about this movie is that some of the pace might be a little different than what people are normally accused, like, like used to, but it's also a seventies horror movie. It's taking its time. And yeah. that's very much a character trait of a lot of seventies horror is we're going to take our time. We'll get to it. And I think the notable exception being like Texas chainsaw, which well. And now even that kind of uses it because the first like the first act of that movie is deliberately intended to to build and to show you the dangers of the world that they're in. But once right. it moves, oh, it moves. Exactly. And that's how this one is. It's like well, once we're going, we're going. It does not stop. It is a runaway train. And even like alien kind of like, you know, everyone starts to die off once it becomes how like once you see how real the threat is on just a, like, you know, sneaking around ending someone one by one, it's, it moves pretty quickly. Like Texas chainsaw is, it moves really, really, really quickly. And then centers you around the main character. This movie just, just like, it's like nitrous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. hits no, you really, in the face. Really is. And, and I love that about it because it just builds to a perfect crescendo and then at the end, when you think everything's safe, you're like, well, if we were safe, the movie would be over. <laughs> the credits would be rolling and they're not. So you're just like, what am I missing? Oh, man, it's crazy when she's put and it's subtle the way that they kind of like broadcast that, too, because Ripley's like, oh, my gosh, I can breathe again. And she's taking the cat and the cat, which that cat deserves an Oscar. <laughs> the, <laughs> also, the- can I? I just want to ask a quick question. Does that cat factor in at all in the future movies? Yes, actually. Okay, cool. I was like, they're working way too hard to save that cat. It better. It's like, well, a lot of people love animals, bro. <laughs> they have die a I, horrific death from a extraterrestrial creature. Save nah, a cat. Not about it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, it, well, he, he comes back in the next movie, but, he's more of his role in this movie is to announce that the alien is nearby. Yeah. That something oh, is that. going to go wrong. And they did that very, very subtly at the end of the movie when she's taking the cat out of the carrier and like going to put it in the thing. And it's like, and it's like growling and making noises. And you're like, uh, shouldn't you be paying attention to that? <laughs> like, yeah. Hello. And yeah. she's and smart, but like, she doesn't, she, you know, she doesn't she's think tired. like, yeah, she's exhausted. She's been fighting an alien. And all of her friends and are watching dead. her friend. Exactly. It's like the adrenaline was probably wearing off. And anyone that's ever been, you know, any sort of adrenaline rush, when it wears off, you're just exhausted. And I like, think the thing thinking the, is hard. Yeah. Thinking is hard. And <laughs> she, uh, the thing with a lot of horror movies is that they would probably jump immediately to like, if it were any other movie, it would be her in the in the ship she's sitting down she's breathing and then like maybe 30 seconds pass before the alien makes itself known 
Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie leads you to believe that everything's fine. <laughs> they yep. lie to your face. And, and well, I just wanted to say, especially like I said, seeing this for the first time, I do like, cause I'm sure some people, especially if you watch it modernized, uh, maybe you find it a little odd when she kind of like just strips down to just a shirt and underwear. But to me, like when the alien then made itself known, I was like, Oh, now she's extra vulnerable. Cause she's almost naked. That's what I was going to say. Well, cause the thing is, is that everyone like you're going to be more comfortable sleeping in just your underwear when you're in the, the oh, yeah. stasis chamber and it doesn't like sexualize her. It's just, you know, her being vulnerable. It uses yeah. her in that way of like, it's not just like, look at how pretty Sigourney Weaver is. It's, she's crossing into the threshold of being in much more danger <laughs> because yeah. her guard is down. Yeah. Both like literally in terms of like, she's tired and also just like, I don't know, like there's just that level of vulnerability when you're not wearing, when you're, when you've lost a few layers of clothing. Yeah. It's, it's stressful. And, <laughs> um, the way that they hide the alien, which they've done this whole movie is brilliant. They almost kind of hide the alien in plain sight because throughout the whole framing of that scene, you can see the shape of it. And you're like, is that the alien? Like what? It, that right. kind of looks like the alien and all the shapes. They're like, is, is it hiding there? Is it there? And she's messing around with the, the knobs and everything. And its head is right by her, <laughs> which Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like how but, close she was and you're seeing it and you're like, is that the, <gasps> and it moves. No. Was it stuck initially? I think it was stuck. It was like stuck okay. and it was confused. It didn't look like it knew where it was. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we've established, I mean, they kind of established that alien is pretty quick. So I just kind of assume that, cause now we kind of just jumped ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has the ship going to self-destruct mode. She tries to undo it fails. So that's why she gets in the escape pod, especially when she's the only one left. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the alien followed her and I'm then assuming. got in through like the, like followed behind her and then got stuck. I'm assuming as much. I mean, that would make total sense. Cause it was especially... probably trying to climb through the air vents and then it got into the escape pod and it's like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Once again, it's just an angry child that has no idea what's happening. It's, it's a toddler with acid blood, man. And... <laughs> It's over, man. It's over. The More movie. <laughs> different movie. But I'm still going to say it. I'm going to say that any chance I can get. I <laughs> remember when they and then she threw it out, which has become. <laughs> they've used it in both of the movies. They use it in Alien and Aliens. Right. But it works both times. So I'm not going to complain. Yeah. And for forcing it out of the airlock, I was like, I'm pretty sure you would get sucked out. At the same, because the pressure of space is overwhelming, right? Crushing. But wasn't she just strapped in? Wasn't she? Oh, she I had the she suit was. on. So she had the yeah, suit. She had the on. suit yeah, on, she was strapped in, and she like buckled herself in because she knew that. But the alien was able to catch itself, and I was like, nah, like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no. Well, <laughs> that's one of those of like, okay, if you want to like nitpick scientifically, but since we've established this thing can is superhuman Mm -hmm. you can kind of let it slide yeah i i mean i'm not upset about it it's just these are literal nitpicks where i'm like oh well actually gravity would probably pull (laughs) the alien out into the pressure of space where it would explode on contact but yeah (laughs) it's also an alien alien. 
We also yeah. don't know what it is. <laughs> exactly. It's like, this is a whole new creature they made specifically for this movie. Don't act like you know it's anatomy. I can see Neil Tyson just being like, well, actually, uh, based on my calculations, <laughs> the pressure would freeze the alien. And it's like, bro, it's an alien. Like, yeah, <laughs> you don't may- know what it's made of. You're like, well, actually, maybe it's like Superman where it's just like, I'm fine in space. You don't know because it catches back onto the ship. You think like seeing it get shot out. You're like, yes. And then it catches on and you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. You can't dude, escape. And, then, and she fried it. I was like, dude, that was I was like, yes, fry it. Deep fry it. Go full Kentucky fried chicken. Let's go. <laughs> and they did. And it was great. But I was the whole time I was like, this is crazy <laughs> this is this movie oh, yeah. is mind-bogglingly stressful but also exciting and rewarding in a way that a lot of movies aren't because my fear was that she was just gonna die when i was first watching it because i'd seen some horror movies up to that point but i was like oh they're just gonna have her get like her head exploded in and then the movie's gonna cut to black not this film not my oh. alien not my <laughs> alien. <laughs> they told a complete story arc with Ellen Ripley, and I loved it so much. This, dude, this movie, I'm really glad we talked about this because I hadn't seen it in a little while. So I'm glad that this was our choice for the week. For sure. And I will say, because I, I just want to get this out there of like, now that I've seen this, and it's just, it's so obvious how influential it was. And I know I've been saying that, like, then I'll give three examples of three major video game franchises that one took inspiration for one aspect of it, but there's two franchises that would not exist without alien. One of them is Metroid. Mm-hmm. Metroid is if Ripley was a bounty hunter and Nintendo, the people that created that series pretty much admitted it going. Yeah. Uh, Sam is being uh, isolated and running away from Ripley running away from Ridley. Is pretty much Ripley running away from the Xenomorph. And um, the other one is Dead Space. Mm-hmm. That is basically alien. Of You're an engineer that's coming to, to a distress signal, and you run into an alien race that absorbs people and like turns you into these monstrosities. And the third one is Halo. Yep. You cannot tell me the Flood is not basically... Alien. I was going to say, I, I played Halo before I ever saw the Alien movies, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm putting the pieces together. I'm, st- yeah. <laughs> like, I'm starting to see, like, a lot of where this comes from, because for me, like, seeing it and then going back and watching where everything, would, like, came from and where it started is, is amazing, because it still holds up. Absolutely. Like, and the value's still there. Absolutely, and I was a little afraid that there's not a, I don't know the... I don't think there's an actual term for it, but there's this phrase the internet has come up with and let me explain what it is before you freak out. Cause I, you might, mm-hmm. it's this phenomenon that's called Seinfeld isn't funny. And it's not that Seinfeld isn't funny. It is what that phrase means is that when something like alien or like Seinfeld is so influential that so many other people take that blueprint and copy it for themselves. It sometimes makes the original not look look predictable or you're like with Seinfeld you're like oh this is funny well it's because all those jokes have been you've seen them copy and pasted 4,000 times this is where it originated from yep and so I was a little scared that Alien was going to run into that same problem of so many franchises I mean I just named three major franchises from video games alone I'm sure there's others that I thought 
I'm sure there's Resident Evil and Silent Hill and all of those have taken some aspects of Alien. Rick and Morty. <laughs> oh, come <yeah>. on. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, yeah. And so I was afraid that when you're this influential, that it was going to hinder my enjoyment of watching where it all came, like of watching the where it all originated, but it didn't. And that to me is probably one of the biggest testaments that if you're like me and you haven't seen it yet, just go watch it because yeah. it's not going to be ruined for you. You're not going to sit there and be like, Oh, well, you know, I've seen this. I've seen these moments done so much better. Like, no, this still is great. It does show its age a few times, mm-hmm. but if you just like you would watching a superhero movie, or let's be honest, the vast majority of horror movies in general, just suspend your disbelief a tiny bit and you will have a good time. Fully agree with that. I I'm over the moon about this movie and the series itself has lasted on for so long. I mean, this movie has so many iconic names attached to it Mm -hmm. and Ridley Scott, James Cameron and David Fincher have all made an alien movie, regardless (laughs) of what people think about all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I know some of the later installments suffered a little bit from just different, you know, different it, it took things the, happening. And it took uh, the Terminator yeah. route. <laughs> it, it did. But a, a lot of it is, you know, it, it's it's part of what happens sometimes. And not every movie series is going to have perfect. Uh, legacies <laughs> in that yeah. regard. No, no, no. You're right. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's not, you know, it just happens. And. But just look at the talent involved and, you know, what it's done for filmmakers, what it's done for movie history and just how iconic it is. And we're probably going to talk about more of these movies in the future. But I wanted to take the chance to do uh, Caleb's first horror movie. (laughs) We'll call it that. (laughs) That'll that'll be our uh, our uh, intro bio for this movie and (laughs) (laughs) baby's first horror movie. (laughs) get a new logo with you with a little bib oh, on <laughs> but oh, a little Lord. chest burster coming out of it <laughs> lord have mercy <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm okay i'm done bullying you. I, <laughs> now i'm not gonna make fun of you anymore either way thank You're... you guys for joining us today on this very special episode of the internet world order podcast and we're going to be talking about something wrestling related next week we'll leave it a surprise as we always do this shouldn't be a surprise But thank you guys again for being a part of our family and for listening to our podcast. Just a heads up, we are now on multiple other platforms. I know we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but we are also on Google Podcasts. We are on Breaker. We are on CastBox. We are on Radio Public. We are everywhere now. You can't hide from us anymore. So (laughs) Yeah, so no excuses from anybody now. Yeah, I mean, you guys have been passionate about our our podcast and you've been there for us. So again, thank you so much for just being supportive and well, listening <laughs> to our uh, no, our stories and our our commentary. It means a lot. We wanted to know what you guys think. Uh you can reach out to us. We're creating a, a website and an email and an Instagram. If you guys have any questions or you have any suggestions for what you would like us to talk about in the future, please reach out to us. If you guys want t-shirts, if you want stickers, let me know, reach out and you can reach out to me personally. If you know me personally, 
I'd love to hear from you guys because we want to create this as a, a fun experience, especially for people who've been here since the beginning. We love you guys. We appreciate you. But either way, thank you for joining us. We are the Internet World Order Podcast. I'm Austin Cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. And we will see you guys next week. See you guys.